Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Breaking Down the Doors. I'm your host, Mike Organ of the Tennessean, and I've got Vandy beat writer Adam Sparks here, as usual. Today, we're talking football. More specifically, spring football. Vandy started spring football Tuesday. So, Adam, what did you learn in 90 minutes of helmets and shoulder pads? Spring football. I'm going to say spring in quotes. It's it's February 25th uh, (laughs) as we begin this for spring football. Yeah, Vandy always starts it early. They're always first in the SEC to start. There's a number of reasons for that. We won't go into that today, but... There's a few topics I want to talk about in this one. I want to talk about quarterbacks, which is what everybody wants to know about this team right now. And I want to talk about coordinators. Both of those areas are brand new for Vandy. But let me give you sort of the news of the day first. Uh, spring practice is open. It's open to not only media, it's open to the public. Uh, the next two practices will be Thursday and Friday, beginning at 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. So if you don't have anything to do on a work day... It's only it's about forty five degrees out there in the morning. Uh, you want to come? Come on out. It's uh, it's outdoors unless it's raining. Then they'll go to the indoor practice facility. But it's open either way. A few injuries slash illnesses. Some guys in red jerseys, which means no contact or uh, actually limited uh, in practice. Jeremy Musa, which we'll talk about in a minute. One of the quarterbacks is limited. He had a high ankle, lower leg injury that knocked him out of his junior college season. He is still limited, but he's going through workouts. To some extent, offensive tackle Tyler Steen and Braden Bapst, uh, another offensive tackle, they've both been out with, I believe, the flu, some kind of illness. They'll be back eventually. Safeties, DBs, Frank Coppett, who was out most of last year, Brendan Harris, who was one of their better DBs last year, and then Justin Harris, a redshirt freshman. All three of those guys likely out for all of uh, spring. Oklahoma transfer, a defensive lineman, Derek Green, is limited early. In uh, spring practice, linebacker Colin Anderson also limited. He's been injury plagued most of his uh, most of his career. Unfortunately, really good, talented player, but uh, but injured. So that gets us to the the hiring of the day. At least the announced hiring. He's been on campus for a while. New wide receivers coach Tony Ball. Tony Ball was a running back and a, and, a, and a great kick returner at Chattanooga back in the late seventies, early eighties. He bounced around quite a bit. ETSU. Chattanooga, spent a long time at Virginia Tech in the late 90s, early 2000s, was at Georgia for about eight or nine years, was at LSU for one year, and most recently was at uh, Texas San Antonio this past season, and before that, Louisiana Tech. The connection to Vandy staff is the new offensive coordinator, Todd Fitch, worked with Tony Ball at Louisiana Tech two years ago. So that rolls us into what we, what I saw at practice, and what I specifically saw were new quarterbacks: Ken Seals, Jeremy Musa, Mike Wright, Danny Clark. That's the four new quarterbacks. Vandy lost four, one to graduation, three to transfer, and they have four new ones 
coming in. That's a weird number to say, isn't it? Like four out, four in. It's figuring out Vanderbilt's quarterback situation is like figuring out a quadratic, a quadratic formula. It seems like <laughs> how many did they lose? How many did they come in? Have coming in? How many are injured? How many have experience? Has anybody on the campus thrown a pass in an SEC football game? Uh, well, no, not in a game. Danny Clark was at Kentucky for one year. Well, yeah, I guess he played a little bit his freshman year. At Kentucky. Danny Clark, who's not here yet, was at Kentucky for a year, transferred to junior college. Jeremy Musa was at Hawaii for a year, redshirted there, never played, transferred to a junior college. So this is their second chance for both of them. Yeah, it's really it's really odd, and I'm sure it is for listeners because it's hard for me to keep up with all these different quarterbacks. There's four new ones in, but two of them are here now. Two will come later. And Anybody that you saw play quarterback last year for Vanderbilt, they are gone. Uh, Riley Neal was the primary starter. He gra- he graduated or he got done with his eligibility. Deuce Wallace, who I don't think is going to play anywhere. He put his name in the transfer portal. I have not seen him, seen him land anywhere. Alan Walters put his name in the portal, has not landed anywhere. Eventually he's going to be somewhere, at least a junior college. And uh, Mo Hassan, the walk-on, has landed at Southern Cal at USC. Don't expect him to get much playing time at USC, but uh, Second Spoon, his uh, what he he's his organization that feeds the homeless. I'm sure he'll have a a pretty good hold there in uh, in California. Is he on scholarship at USC? I seriously doubt it. I th- I think that's been written about out there. He he wasn't on scholarship here, so he's not going to be at USC. Either. I wondered about that. I didn't know if he did enough to prove himself. Uh, could he have gotten a scholarship somewhere? He, well, I mean, at one point I thought maybe he'd get a scholarship here yeah. at Vandy. I mean, of the three that could have come back, I guess he would have been the front runner to start because he started one game and they beat Missouri – but a new coordinator was coming in. New quarterbacks were coming in. Deuce Wallace would not have started. Alan Walters would have got a little bit of a chance. But there was a feeling you could tell with all those quarterbacks that they didn't think they were going to get the job. And there certainly seems to be around the program then and, and especially now that that was, that was going to happen one way, or another, one way or another, that new quarterbacks were going to be utilized. New quarterbacks, new coaches, new system – all that, and it's a it's a, a ripping off of the Band-Aid, so to speak, except for the head coach. Derek, Derek Mason is still there. He's just reinventing what he wants to do on, on both sides of the ball. Let's, you may not be through with quarterbacks. That's fine, and we can come back to that. But since you brought up how much is new, why would a coach go to Vanderbilt at this point with the dynamics that are in play? Uh, it widely thought that this would be Derek Mason's last year. That's the belief, unless they you know, manage to win seven, eight games, something like that, go to a bowl game. I mean, I even think if he goes five and seven, six and six, six and six, he's certainly safe because that's a bowl. Five and okay. seven, possibly, but – yeah, but there's, three, yeah, there's the, a strong possibility, well, and, and what happens with the athletic director's position, that this could be could a one-and-done yep. situation you're coming into as either a coordinator or an assistant coach. Why would you do it? Yeah, and, and Tony Ball that I mentioned a second ago, he is the sixth a co- new coach on the staff this offseason. Now, people that don't know, there's 10 assistants. Six of the 10 are new. There's a few reasons. I mean, I've talked to coaches that were interested in all these jobs, that were trying to get these jobs, um, that didn't get them. And, you know, there's thought of, well, even if it's for one year, I can go and coach at an SEC school. 
I can, if you're at a mid-major or if you're unemployed, you're just out of the job, you got cut from another staff, you can come and make six figures and coach one season, especially if you're at an age where you don't have young kids, so you're not having to move them out of a school and into another one. You know, if you're of that age, if, you know, upper 40s, 50s, 60s, it's you and your wife, and you go live in Nashville for a year. There's worse things young, to do. Very young or very, or, or very yes. young or older. Yes, yeah. very young or very old. Or, yeah. I, I, a little I, older. Very old. A little <laughs> older. <laughs> yeah. How old are you, Mike? Exactly. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, be careful. <laughs> uh, so th- there are reasons. Uh, and if you go and you coach a position or you coach one side of the ball and that side does well, that can catapult you into another job. If one of these coordinators, if they're really good on one side of the ball but terrible on the other – that will help them get their next job. And some some coaches just believe, hey, I, I can fix that, especially coordinators. They're they're bad at that now, but if, if I had that, I could fix it. And I think to some extent both of these coordinators uh, think that. And we'll get to the coordinators here in a little bit. The, the quarterbacks, uh, so I saw two of them today, Ken Seals, Jeremy Musa. Ken Seals is a freshman from Texas, three-star uh, rating, if that, if that matters to anybody. Um, he was an early enrollee. That's why he's here already. Otherwise, he'd be a senior in high school. Jeremy Musa is a junior college transfer. There's not a lot to see out of Musa right now because of his leg injury. He can move a little bit. He can throw. He's got some zip on the ball. I mean, he can. I mean, they didn't throw deep routes today, but he he he's got a quick release, pretty good accuracy. But he he's got a lot of arm strength, or at least from what I saw today. We're not going to know that much of him, I think, until late in spring because that's when he's going to be moving a little better. We may not know, we may not get a full picture on Jeremy Musa until the fall because I don't think he's going to be fully healed from his leg injury. So that puts Ken Seals in the spotlight. It's really, it's such an odd situation. I can't imagine there's another like this in college football in, in several years where a true freshman as an early enrollee basically monopolizes the position. He's got almost every rep he he needs because there's only one of the guy under scholarship and he's he's somewhat injured. So Ken Seals comes out there and says, "Hey, this is my job if I can take it." And the other two guys aren't getting here till the summer. I wonder if he's 18 years old yet. He is. He's 18. He okay. won't be 19 until I think June. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's it's an odd situation, but um so, so he has a he has a chance to make a really good first impression, and I wrote about this at length in in the Tennessean for a story that should be on Tennessean.com by now. Is that you know he looked very accurate throwing the ball. It was mostly short routes. You can tell they're trying to let him crawl into the system, and everybody because it's a new offense. A lot of short throws, a lot of dink and dunk type stuff. Get his confidence up. He is very, very accurate in what they ask him to do. Arm strength looks fine, and I've seen other videos of him from high school that he can throw the deep ball. So the arm is fine. Accuracy is fine. Will he learn the system? I think that'll that'll take some time. What is what is the system? Well, it, that's a good I mean, question. As far back as as we can remember, and recently in recent history, Vanderbilt's had a very good running back. Yes, I think you go into this season without a very. good It's running by back. committee. I think it'd be by committee. But uh, you don't have a Vaughn. You know, you nope. know, you, you know, you, no, no Ralph Webb, no, Ralph no Keyshawn Webb. Vaughn. Jamari Wakefield is probably the guy, but right now Keon Brooks looks like he may be the guy. Keon Brooks played as a freshman, played pretty well as a number two last year. Jamari Wakefield has been the number two for a few years, but he was out 
almost all last year with an injury. They've got a couple other guys on campus that could uh, or in spring practice that could factor into there. Everybody gets a clean start, uh, clean slate with a new coordinator. The offense is gonna. It's gonna. We're gonna see different iterations of it. I think throughout spring and into fall. What I think they want to do, based on what I've seen, is throw it around a lot, a lot of quick release stuff, three wide, four wide. Yes, using the tight end, but splitting that tight end out and having having four wide receivers, having a running back out in routes, and the offensive line is suspect, and so. Uh, and you've got a quarterback that you would like to make quick reads with. So a lot of dink and dunk type spread people out. Uh, passing offense is what it looks like it's going to be mostly to me. But it's very, very wait and see. And both coordinators have, have said that. With the quarterbacks, um, and, and I wrote this in the story. You know, I mean, Mike, you've done this longer than I have. How many times have you come out to the first practice of spring or fall and everybody's just raving about boy, this this guy look was throwing the ball around. It just looked good, you know, it, with it, no it, pass rush. <laughs> it goes in one ear and right out the other. I mean, absolutely, like you said, no pass rush. The defense doesn't know what you're doing. I mean, they, they you know, at least once you get into spring a little bit more, the defense you know knows what you're doing. At least they can put up some kind of a formidable defense. But uh, yeah, at this point, if you're not completing every pass. And you're not looking pretty sharp on offense, and that's that's the only concern. That's the only thing you can take away from it is, boy, that offense is bad if it didn't click. Yeah, I think with quarterbacks this early, you're almost looking for to eliminate somebody than you are to prop them yeah. up. And Seals is not eliminated. Moose is not eliminated after one day. I don't think either one of them will be. But so it's they're they're fine so far. I, I you know in in a previous beat that I worked many years ago, I remember. A, at least two different instances where the first one or two practices, a coach came up to me and said, off the record, that guy's done. That quarterback, we shouldn't have signed him. <laughs> <laughs> and you could see it. I was like, wow, that's a division one. He can't throw. And sometimes you don't it's, – it's crazy for people to think when you scout guys like this, but sometimes you will get guys there – they looked good in high school, and then you get them against more speed mm-hmm. at this level, and that ball doesn't come out as quick as, as it did in high school. Sometimes it, it happens that quickly. That That's not the case with either of Vandy's two guys right now. So we'll, we'll see with the quarterbacks. I like what I see with Seals so far. The body language was good. I can tell the new offensive coordinator, Todd Fitch, is trying to be very optimistic, trying to build up his confidence likes what he sees. They celebrate every touchdown pass. You know, a, another big thing I think that was missing out of last year uh, was leadership, accountability, all these things that I think sometimes are, we take for granted, but they didn't have it last year. Riley Neal, the, who started, what, I think 10 of 12 games last year, was very mild-mannered, very easygoing. He came onto campus and tried to blend in. All the things you don't want in a quarterback. That's right. That's right. And especially following up, he followed up Kyle Shermer, the all-time leading passer. And Kyle Shermer was a very – he's a coach's son, very no-nonsense. You do it this way because I said so type quarterback. And Riley Neal came in as his just great guy, but just his natural demeanor was, you know, let's see how things go. And that was not what they needed. And so that that was a stark contrast today to Ken Seals, who – I also gather is not 
he's not a get up in your face type guy, but when needed, uh, apparently that's the case. Uh, today in the first day of practice, there was a wide receiver who ran the wrong route, and Ken Seals noticed it immediately. And keep in mind, this offense was installed like 45 minutes before that. <laughs> this is the first practice with a new coordinator, new new quarterback. But Ken Seals, the new quarterback, noticed it, ran right over to the wide receiver. I don't know which receiver it was. We heard this after the fact from numerous people, but told him that's not the right route. You got to run this route. You got to do it this way. That's uh, this is the play I called. This is the coverage. You should have done it this this way. And uh, and Derek Mason mentioned that. And uh, uh, here's how Derek Mason explained it. Uh, I saw Seals today get after a wide receiver on a missed route. Uh, receiver ran the wrong route, and and Ken went right up to him and right after him. And I think that's what you want to see. Listen, th- th- this is not for the faint of heart. You know, I mean, you got to step on the field. If you're going to play quarterback, I mean, you got to be able to, you know, I mean, command the grass, command the position. And so, I mean, it was good to see a young quarterback uh, in his first practice know exactly what happened and, and, and really hold somebody accountable for what they need to do. So that's, that's Derek's take. That's the coach's take. Uh, I will say Cam Johnson, former Brentwood Academy star, also sort of echoed that um, after the fact. And, and the way that Cam put it was, we didn't have that accountability. The receivers didn't from the quarterback last year. It's pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is for a receiver to say that. And, uh, you know, sometimes they say, you know, players respond respond most to when coaches tell them exactly what's needed and uh and that's what seals did so uh, cam johnson appreciated that as a receiver they're gonna have to have that you never know sometimes if a quarterback is naturally that way or if he's thinking i think coach wants to see this so i'm gonna do it yeah we, we saw that with the titans with Mariota. he he tried to force that uh personality on himself and it, and it never did click yeah, and Seals, uh, there's a lot of good things to say about Seals from his background as a as a phenomenal high school quarterback in Texas. We'll see if that plays out. Again, I think the biggest factor in this quarterback race is that he monopolizes the time. So if Seals is pretty good, then you leave Spring saying, okay, he's in the, he's in the race. He's in the hunt. What about Musa? Musa throw it well enough for him to be in the hunt, or is he set aside? And is and can you judge Musa with the fact that he's injured a little bit? Do you hold that against him or not? If they're both in it, well, then the two guys that get here in the summer, you've got to quickly eliminate one of those guys. Because, I mean, you can't be in August practice and have four guys splitting reps. You not got, four guys with no experience that you don't have anything to look at what they did last that's right. from. That's right. And they don't know the offense. They're getting into it. So I, I have to think if Seals is just like a B-minus, so to speak, in terms of letter grade, then he's going to be right in the hunt. Um, Musa, we'll see. Some of it is going to be just how, how well they can pick up the offense. Mike Wright, the quarterback that comes in in the summer, is sort of a wild card because he can run. He can really, really run. I mean, he can fly. Rivals actually bumped Mike Wright up to a four-star recently. For whatever reason, they saw at the – you know how these things go, right? He's a three-and-a-half, and now he's a four, you know, two weeks later. Yeah. Uh, but it, anyway, he can run, so he's a little different. All of them are somewhat mobile, but Mike Wright can really, really run. So does that mean you keep him in the race because he's a little different? Or does that mean he's another freshman? If Seals is in the hunt, you need a redshirt Mike Wright – so you stagger those classes. 
I have to think that one of the two junior college guys has to eliminate the other in the quarterback hunt because you, you, you got to whittle it down to three quickly, and then you need to whittle it down to two you know, within a couple weeks of the game, I would think. Does it benefit the staff any to go ahead and and if if one of these quarterbacks uh, emerges above the others and just clearly is is the guy say Seals you know establishes himself in the spring and with this offense being so new is there flexibility within that that it can be molded to fit his strengths? It's, yeah, I think I think so. And I, of what I've seen, again, one day. And what I know of Todd Fitch, uh, the new offensive coordinator, which we've uh, listeners go back and listen to the Todd Fitch uh, podcast uh, on our Breaking Down the Doors podcast because we went into depth about what he wants to see in an offense. His his mentality is spread. And that's a general term I know. Spread the ball around though. Throw it three wide, four wide. He's done that a lot. Quick release, and a lot of that is what Ken Seals did in high school. So I think Todd Fitch sees this quarterback, Ken Seals, and what he wants to do as somewhat similar. So I don't think he's going to have to tweak that much for Seals. I think Seals is what he kind of wants to do anyway. And a lot of the talent around uh, will determine how much they change. Uh, but it's some tough decisions there because, again, you've got you've to trim that, that quarterback group down. Um, Seals has a, has a pretty good uh, head start on that. But where the offense goes and where the defense goes, I think is almost as important, maybe even more important than than who the quarterback is. And when you have two brand new coordinator, coordinators, there's a whole lot of questions left out there. We'll talk about what the offense looks like and what the defense looks like, looks like with those new schemes and those new coordinators after this quick break. Hey guys, it's Adam Sparks. As a Tennessee and podcast listener, we have a special offer just for you. Unlimited digital access to our award-winning coverage for just $1 a week. That's a whole year of the most important sports stories with over 50% in savings. To sign up, go to tennessean.com forward slash podcast. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, Mike. So Vandy has a new offensive coordinator, Todd Fitch, a new defensive coordinator, Ted Roof, that we've reviewed uh, in, in previous podcasts. But I want to talk a little bit about today, after I've seen them both on the field for a practice, the the common denominator between these two guys. When you hire new coordinators, there's kind of two ways you can do it. A head coach like Derek Mason can say, I'm going to go get a new guy who is very narrowly defined by his system, and I'm hiring that guy to run his system. So if you go out and hire a triple option guy, we're running the triple option. If you go out and hire a fun and gun, four wide, okay, we are absolutely slinging the ball 60 times a game, and that's what we're hiring. He didn't do that. He went with option two. He hired two coordinators who had been to 10 different schools, who had run all kinds of different systems, and he brought them in knowing whatever we end up being, these guys can do it because they've done it all different ways. And I don't, I don't know which is the best in that case. Is are we not? And I think I'm speaking for some frustrated Vanderbilt fans uh, when I say this. Are we not awfully far into Derek Mason's tenure to still not know, not have an idea of what he wants to do on offense and defense? I think offense. Um, actually, let me go defense first. 
Defense, I think, is more open-ended, which is interesting because Derek Mason is a defensive guy. guy. Because Derek Mason came to Vanderbilt as a 3-4 guy, a 3-4 scheme from Stanford, and then he started to morph it into different things, a four-man front, a five-man front, a a, a 4-2 nickel, a... uh, uh, I mean, he's had defenses where you've got six guys in the box; they're all standing up. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of uh, a lot of coordinators are doing that NFL level and and college. But he basically went and got sort of a version of that in Ted Roof. That I mean, Ted Roof told me on the record a, a month ago. I've run a three four four three four two five nickel dime. Uh, bear defense i've I've run everything so whatever we need to do based on our personnel we'll just do that well that's i think Derek mason likes the fact that there are so many options in there and that this defensive coordinator ted roof is going to look at the talent that he's given and and run whatever defense matches that talent now that's the d that's a defense that returns almost everybody from last year but that was played poorly last year. So I don't know if that's an upside or a downside. A lot of experience, but not guys that produced much last year. Yeah, that's that, that's one of those good news, bad things. The right. good news is you've got 11 starters back. The bad news is that all 11 were 0-10 <laughs> out right, 11 last right. year. Who wants them back? Uh, so, uh, so on the defensive side, I think it's so open-ended, and I think it'll be more open-ended through spring. I think they're going to have to sit down and have some conversations of, okay, what do we have? You know, Ted Roof even said, I remember when he came in, that he was given a 10-play highlight film of each of his main players on defense. So the top, I don't know, 12, 15 guys. And he watched those to say, okay, this guy can do this, this, and this. And this guy can do this, this, and this. So we'll change defense to that. Well, I think it's more important in spring now that you know what they're bad at. Because highlight away from that. Yes. Highlight tape shows you what they're good at. Right. He needs to find out in spring what they're bad at or what they struggle with. Offensively, I think it's a little more narrow. Now Todd Fitch has done it a lot of different ways. He's 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 been more of a running offense, more of a passing offense, different places. Most recently Louisiana Tech, it was more wide open. I think that's what he wants to do, uh what he wants to do here. I, I think it'll be fun for Vandy fans if it works. If it works, if it doesn't, it's going to be a disaster. I, I tend to think it'll work well enough. I think Vandy fans, and you can speak to this more than I can, I think at some point Vandy fans, yes, they want to win. Number two, they kind of want to be entertained. Show me something fun. Show me something different, especially on offense, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we we saw that going all the way back to the Watson-Brown years where the offense would just threw it all over the field, moved up and down the field, didn't get in the end zone very often, but it was one of the um, highest-producing produ- offenses yardage-wise in the country, and, and I think fans enjoyed that. At least there was something to go and watch, but last year you didn't even – I mean, that when that, the Ugh. offense stepped on the field, you just it was a matter of waiting until the defense was going to come right on back. Yeah, and there's an inter- interesting tweak, and people may say uh, – interesting take. People may take this as spin. I, I certainly don't mean it as spin, but – Last year, Jerry Godowski, who was offensive coordinator for only one year, got fired. He was he had the burden. Uh, I mean, it was he had the benefit, but then eventually he had the burden of having three very good offensive skill players that are on the at the NFL Combine this week. Mm-hmm. Tidy and Jared Pinkney, wide receiver Kalaja Lipscomb, running back Keyshawn Vaughn. 
he had the benefit, that, which turned into a burden, of those three guys he had to get the ball to a certain number of times. Keyshawn Vaughn, you got to get 20 carries. Kalaja Lipscomb, how come he hasn't had eight targets? Jared Pinckney, he's got to get at least five targets. He's an NFL tight end. And there was this sense of a quota, which there kind of needed to be because they didn't get the ball to him enough, especially the, the latter two. But there almost was a quota, I think, over that offense that hamstrung them a little bit. Todd Fitch comes in with none of those three guys, unfortunately, on the roster, but it's a whole lot of other guys that are all kind of about even. You know, at running back, I mentioned the other the, the two, Brooks and Wakefield, but I could come up with four, maybe five running backs that I think could see the field. Wide receiver, Cam Johnson, I think, is your number one, but Chris Pierce and James Bostick and C.J. Bowler, uh, Devin Bodie, who people don't know well yet, but they will. There's two or three tight ends. Ben Bresnahan is the top one, but there's two or three tight ends that could work in there. There's just, I mean, there's about 12 to 15 guys that are all kind of close to each other in terms of talent level, and they all get a clean slate now. I do think there's a little bit of a benefit to that, that um, Todd Fitch can come in and say, let me, let, me, let me be creative with this offense. Let me see how deep I can go with these wide receivers. Let me see if I can go four wide. Let me see if this quarterback can get the ball out of his hands in two seconds or less and just and just make it fun. I, I think that's the that's the hope they would like to do. Whether or not they can pull it off, I'm, I'm not real sure. But you know they they they've tried other things, more traditional pro style offenses, and it produced at times, but not not consistently. And it just it didn't work at all last year. Andy Ludwig had a couple of good years, I think. But uh, you, you, it's hard to squeeze every drop of talent out of that, out of the offensive skill sets those guys have. I don't know how much they have right now, but Todd Fitch is going to try to be creative, I think, with what they do have. You mentioned a lot of guys on offense. Uh, defense, who are some of the guys we need to be keeping an eye on in this, this spring uh, that, uh, and with a new coordinator coming in? Well, I mean, the, 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 the main guys will be back. The, the, I think the biggest thing to watch – that can be if you're looking at a place that can be good a defensive line can be good linebackers I think is a huge question mark because yeah they get a lot of them back but I think they were a weakness last year they were even a weakness two years ago somewhat with different guys linebackers got to be fixed and none of the last two or three years of coaches and coordinators have been able to figure that out you know, we, secondary, uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of them are injured, so we also don't know how that's going to go. Defensive line, though, can be good. Malik Langham uh, is a transfer from Florida. They tried to get him eligible last year. didn't happen. He should be one of their better defensive linemen. He certainly looks the part, I'll say that. Derek Green is a transfer from Oklahoma. Didn't play there, but signed there. Spent a little time there. Transferred. And, uh, and then Dio Odengbo... Um, is one of their best players on either side of the ball. I think he's an NFL prospect, big, long, athletic. And then they get back some, they get back some depth guys up there: Rutger Rottmeyer, Drew Birchmeyer, Cameron Tidd. You know, they can go at least two deep, maybe three deep up front. And so, you know, as I mentioned before, the scheme. If you've got a whole lot of promising defensive linemen. And you're not sure what you have at linebacker. Maybe you run a four-three. Maybe maybe you run a nickel, and you only have two linebackers on the field. A four-two-five. Maybe you do that. I, th- I think right now that's what they're looking at and trying to figure out what will work because 
again, maybe the benefit is you have a defensive coordinator who has run absolutely every defense under the sun, and you have a head coach that understands those schemes. Sometimes it's better just to have another set of eyes to figure out who your good players are, but probably more so who your bad players that should probably shouldn't be on the field in key situations. If you've got a good defensive coordinator and a defensive-minded head coach, shouldn't they be able to take a strength that is a defensive line and make their linebackers better? Because if the defensive line is doing its job above average, <clears throat> that's going to be a great benefit for the linebackers. Yeah, they should. They should. And so maybe that whittles down the number of linebackers they use. I do think there's some athletes uh, in the linebacking core. I think consistency was the issue last year. I think the pass rush should be better, and that's that's got to be a key to figure out in spring practice. Although you can't – don't touch those quarterbacks because <laughs> no. one of them's injured and the other one just got here, and who knows, he may uh, – he may end up being the starter. So, you got anything to add on football? I'd, I'd love to talk baseball, but we may hold that off for another week. Uh, I know it's amazing that we've done two podcasts and have not gotten into baseball. That's right, yet. we haven't. Doing Vanderbilt podcast well, in, me, in February. And well, let me give baseball. you some bullet points. Bullet points are baseball pitching is really, 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 really good. Wow. Let's see if they can still. Let's see if they can hit better as the year goes on. Basketball is. Men's basketball is playing hard, but I don't think they they just don't have the talent to beat many people right now. Women's basketball has taken a recent nosedive, and they've got to get that fixed. Uh, Stephanie has to get that fixed to be at Vandy long term. Uh, What they do in the next couple weeks, including the SEC tournament, or I guess the next week, including the SEC tournament, will kind of put a shade on the either a good or bad uh, perspective on the season. Athletic director, we'll see. Athletic strategic plan will be out very, 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 very soon. It's going to be general. I don't think people are going to look at, which they haven't promised, there's going to be these big facility plans that are going to be released on there. It's going to be general outline. It's going to be priorities. And it'll be uh, it'll be something that people will probably expect more out of it than, than what it is. But it's the – as. Candace Story Lee said a first step in what they want to do, athletics. There's going to be second, third, fourth, fifth, hundredth step. Uh, the sooner the better they get some kind of ground broken on facilities, but that's not going to happen until they get fundraising done, and fundraising is not anywhere where it needs to be uh, just yet. But the str- strategic plan will be uh, released extremely soon. My only question, and I guess I ask it in closing, is we've seen an uptick in men's basketball. This team has not quit as it did last year under Bryce Drew. Uh, there has been some improvement we've seen. They won a game, which is great improvement. Knowing the rest of the SEC the way it is this year, and it's not overly powerful this year, can this team make any noise whatsoever in the tournament? They can win a game. Yeah, okay. they, they can win a game. They can make, I mean, they're they're better than the record, which I know isn't saying much when you only won a game in the SEC, you may end up winning a couple games in the SEC. Uh, but they are a team that can beat somebody in the tournament. In the, on that first day, yeah, they could they could win that one. I'm not so sure they could get a second one. Uh, if they won one game, it'd be obviously an improvement. Um, but they're, they're playing hard. They just There's a low ceiling on their talent that they're going to have to – that will be addressed through transfers in the offseason, but it's going to have to be addressed even further than that. Okay. That does it for this edition of Breaking Down the Doors. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com and also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. 
For Adam Sparks, I'm Mike Organ, and we'll see you next time. 